Hello, hello. Welcome to B2B Works, a podcast about business writing. I'm Sarah Griesenbach, founder of the B2B Writing Institute. This is our Friday update, July 22nd. Had to check the calendar. So the first thing I wanted to check in on is an update on 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Bergman. That is the magnificent book I finished over a weekend on Audible. It really rearranged some of the deep roots I'd had growing, and I'm really grateful to it. So if you feel the need for a refresh, can't recommend that highly enough, is Oliver Burke, 4,000 Weeks. And it just showed me what a bad case of obsessive productivity I had. And right away, I could recognize, oh, this isn't something that's good about me. This isn't a special calling. This isn't something I should do. This is a disease that's actually taking things from my life. So I'm about, it could be one week into leaving my computer at home at night. Done, literally been done. And that's been been really hard because what I found would happen is I'd go to bed on time, feel really well rested two days in a row. On that third day, I'd be like, wow, I'm really well rested. I should bring my computer home and just get a We all know how that turns out. There's always a couple more. I've worked evenings for 10 years, and there's always been more to do. (laughs) It is an infinite amount of things that could be done, and now I'm going to choose having an evening to myself. And it's just been amazing to see how much my need for productivity was keeping me from walking throughout the day, like getting up between Pomodoro's and actually stepping outside and doing nothing but walking for 10 minutes. Reading, I'll set a timer, and I actually sat and read several times this week, something that I love to do that I haven't been doing for just months and months. And it all led up to last night, sitting at my desk, home office, no podcast, no music, listening just to the little rumble of a cat fountain. And I just watched the sunset while I journal. And I was journaling just to get to know myself and to record what's happening, not just to check off my journal on the list. It's just showed me I'm really on board with this to see what having a personal life feels. You're probably going to hear that and be like, yeah, but you do improv, business, and you have kids. Like you've always had a personal life. And maybe what I need is to have and enjoy a personal life because I'm embarrassed to say a lot of my personal life has felt like it gets in the way of working, which is like, gosh, if I ever needed confirmation, I'm obsessed with productivity. But I've even found like my kids, my time with them, I'm less frustrated because I have fewer options of what to go and distract myself with. So I'm off Twitter like two weeks. During bath time, I just found myself more interested in what they were doing. And I got over there and I played a little bit where before I'm embarrassed to say, I would have been sneaking a Twitter update or trying to catch up on a podcast or a book or feeling like there was some way to optimize this time that I had. When in reality, I was just ruining the time that I had. So, eh. And that that has this caveat. It's really not about Twitter. I think all of us just have a Twitter. For me, Twitter was just that thing that felt indispensable, but actually wasn't added value to my life and maybe was taking away value making me feel like it was adding value. I don't think Twitter is that way for everybody, but it just was that way for me. So 
if you have something that seems good most of the time, sometimes you wonder if there's a better way to live. Maybe it's productivity. I'm also really happy to say working was easier this week, like actually focusing on whatever task was in front of me because I'd let go of all the other tasks that couldn't hurt me. I've long had a problem with the three important things thing where you make a list of three important things and that's just the way it is. I would feel so mad because I always had more than three important things. But after this book, it's I thought you had to just hag all things that are important to you as important. And that's the list. But that's not the list. That's the list of things that could be important at a given time. We only get to pick the three things. Three, maybe not literally that number, but there will be important things that do not get done each day and do not get done each week, each month in your life. And that has been so eye-opening. Maybe it would have been depressing 10 years ago, but all I've felt is relief. And I saw that when I was making a list for today, I had to wrestle with the fact that two client edits that need to be done, a podcast, a phone call to somebody I really want to meet with. And I just had to kick off the phone call. I had to accept this will not get done, or if it gets done, it will be at a cost to be in my Friday. Before, I would have just tried to push through it all and just make it happen. And I just rescheduled the call. Everything's okay. But moving on to writing news or just anything that could help people with freelancing or B2B writing, what I wanted to talk about today was writing at scale. And I've seen this question come up a couple times, private coaching that I'm doing, and then also just with questions that come up my inbox, is that you might land a blog post at $500 or $600 for the blog post. And that's incredible, especially when you're coming from content mail money. It's more of one cent a word or $10 or $15 a post. Wow. But what these people encounter is that even $600 per post, which is incredible amount of money, still ends up not being enough to sustain a full-time business or the full-time income that they need. And I want to direct you to the fact that this is why process is so important. And we don't know it until we do it naturally, force ourselves into a process, but that process could take a long time if you don't do it really intentionally. So what I mean by process is that you need to be able to go through and know that you're going to spend one hour finishing three different outlines for three different $600 blog posts. So getting those ideas in place, getting a basic idea of what sources you might use or what requirements the client has in the content brief. Then you're going to go through and you're going to set your Pomodoro clock for two 50-minute sessions, schedule two hours per blog post, writing the body of those three blocks. So that's six hours total. Then you need to be able to know that I'm going to spend one hour finishing all these blog posts and send them to my client. So that ends up being $1,800 for about eight hours of work, which ends up being about $225 an hour. And that is how you scale a business of writing. Can't scale a business of writing, finally getting the $600 blog post, then taking a week of hoping it's perfect, getting feedback, asking the client extra questions, getting mixed up about the interviews. If you don't have processes, you're just gonna work until you think that piece is done. You won't know when it's done, and then perfectionism is going to drag you under and the whole thing is lost. It probably wouldn't be that good of a blog post in that case. 
Whereas the process, which can feel really restrictive, can feel really templated, it gives you those parameters for you to be creative in those times, still make progress, still move forward. And that's why B2B writing, it takes this combination of being an artist and a creative and someone who loves to write and being a business person who can assign a certain amount of hours to a certain amount of work and know that they're going to move forward with it. And this might be related. I think one of my favorite things is that I get exposed to a lot of new writers and it's people with this potential who might already have a track record of professionalism, just one job or the other. They just haven't been introduced to B2B marketing yet. Someone recently wrote, they didn't want to overpromise and underdeliver, So they found themselves not reaching out, pitching, not trying to make connections with clients. And I think what that person shared just contains a world of meaning. And this is where mindset comes in. This is what people mean when they're saying that your mindset needs to be adjusted or that your attitude isn't really serving you. And I would ask you, how can we overpromise on writing? How is it even possible to do that? Because in our minds, I don't think we're overpromising on writing. We're jumping way ahead and overpromising to fix and soothe all of their problems and be perfect. And that's a mindset problem. That's not a writing problem. Writing can only align with someone's expectations and be effective. Like those are the two things that writing can do. Sometimes those things are in contention with each other, which we have to work through when what a marketer wants isn't what will be effective. Like you have to navigate that relationship. But what's not happening is that you are not promising to be perfect. I think there's something in there about what we think it means to be a writer that actually isn't true. Because when we offer to write something for someone, we're just saying we're going to give our best effort to have this meet your expectations and do what you needed to do. We are not saying, unless you're actually saying this, in which case maybe don't say this, we're not saying you're experts in marketing, that we're guaranteeing a certain amount of leads that we're going to solve all their problems and make their content super easy and seamless. I think those are things that we end up thinking we should be able to do just because we love as creatives. Like we're here to take care of people and really satisfy people and do a great job. Those behaviors are what can turn us into perfectionists about it. There's definitely a version of this where a marketer just wants perfect writers to come in and solve all their problems. It's probably happening in SEO or like lower content mill type agencies. But if you are getting into that higher level, meaningful thought leadership content, what people want from you is a writing partner who understands the marketing space, who can take big, complicated, sometimes technical ideas and express that in a way that gets people excited and want to learn more about how it can help them at work. And that is a really fun process to be a part of. And that's a process that you have to be a part of as a person, not as a writer monkey who will make it perfect right off the bat. It's just not possible to make it perfect right off the bat. You could just get within 5% of someone's expectations. And even that would be perfect because that person is going to take it to other people and have their expectations. So just the idea that anything you write could ever be perfect, I'm not sure that it's possible. And that could be a bummer. So if that makes you feel bad, that's okay. But <laughs> I'd rather align that with the 4,000 weeks thing to say that the goal was never to be perfect. You don't have to be a perfect writer to be a writer. And when people hire you, even if they think they want a perfect writer, that's not actually what they're going for. They just want a perfect helper who's going to be flexible to what they need and really do their best at any given point. And this is all, I just find it so fascinating because if you 
had ever talked to me and asked me about perfection or people pleasing, I would have said, I don't care about any of that. In reality, I think I just called it something different. To me, being perfect means perfectly executing on something. And yeah, that was always my goal, is probably still my goal a lot. But we just don't have to be perfect. Our assignments don't have to be perfect. We just have to be willing to perfect them over time. That is what makes you a perfect writer. But all right, that is all for my short note today because Fridays has turned into pool hang days. We drop the kids off at the free childcare at the gym. We go to the rooftop pool. I put on a big floppy hat. I just kind of lay there in the sun. It's a very new feeling. It's very luxurious, but I'm willing to keep trying until it feels comfortable. <laughs> and I also want to note if any of this is really resonating and you're trying to launch that freelance business, I have opened a couple one-on-one -on -one coaching spots for July, August, and September. It's a one-day thing. It's just you and me. Mondays, Fridays, or Saturdays, because I know a lot of people still a full-time role, whole day together during the week would be difficult. But if you want to have a VIP day to make progress on B2B writing and the freelancing side of B2B writing, that could be a great fit for you. And if that sounds interesting, you can just email me at hello at b2bwritinginstitute.com. Put domino in the subject line. All right, have a great weekend. Bye.